Chapter Twenty of the Night Side of New York by members of the New York Press. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The River Thieves. If crime stalks rampant through the streets of New York during the hours of dim lamplight, so also on the rivers that bound the city, and on the bay below it works steadily among the masses of floating things that crowd the docks and channels there are certain facilities connected with the business of thieving upon the water that are not enjoyed by the sharks whose element is the land the difficulties of detection are in favor of the dock pirate who pulls audaciously about in his boat as if in pursuit of some legitimate calling and frequently succeeds in landing his cargo of stolen property under the very nose of the police certain branches of river thieving are carried on in the open day but it is at night of course that the more desperate characters belonging to the craft carry on their depredations these are the pirates who hover around vessels in the still hours boarding them where a strict watch is not kept and frequently using their weapons to test the force of the principle that dead men tell no tales for the protection of the water around the city there is a force called the harbor police a glance at whose arrangements form a necessary part of this chapter this force at present consists of twenty-six men under the command of captain hart once himself a mariner and whose name is renowned throughout the city in connection with many daring arrests of desperate criminals of the land gangs for his command was formerly in the city precincts the headquarters of the force are on board of a good-sized side-wheel steamer which when not on a cruise is moored off the battery near the staten island ferry house she has a couple of quarter-boats on deck and a brass gun or two the latter more for show than use there are two or three barges belonging to the department and the men are of the maritime type accustomed to working boats and versed in many useful things peculiar to the craft captain hart is a wiry man of muscular build with grizzled hair and beard and a certain quiet determination of character about him that must give him a great advantage when action becomes necessary he has a strong objection to the use of firearms resort to which he does not allow except in the most desperate cases his principle is that the club properly handled is a sufficient weapon in the hand of the civil officer and his own practice of the instrument is of a very peculiar and effective kind there is a very simple handcuff used by these maritime police for securing desperate characters it is nothing but a bit of rope about six inches long inserted at either end into a button somewhat like the handle of a gimlet in cases of resistance an officer can handle his man very readily by whipping a turn of this round his wrist several times in the course of the twenty-four hours the steamer is got under way and runs slowly up the rivers as far as fiftieth street or further close observations are made of everything going on and yet in spite of all this and of the constant patrolling of the water by the force in their barges and small boats many depredations are committed that are never brought to light for the force is far from adequate for the protection of a harbor so thronged with life and reckless characters as that of new york 
the river thieves belong for the most part to the lowest scum of that peculiar class of men haunting the docks and piers of great seaport towns they are just sailor enough to handle boats with facility and overhaul the interior arrangements of a vessel and just ruffian enough to take a human life where that becomes necessary to secure their object once in a police court we saw a river thief who was a good type of his class he was a powerful undersized fellow with some dark blood in him south american probably by origin his left hand was but a stump all the fingers of it having been removed by a surgical operation performed on him by the mate of a ship who used a hatchet with effect just as the robber had laid his hand upon the gunwale to board the fellow's arms were tattooed all over with obscene emblems and his mouth had been extended on one side nearly to his ear by a slash from some sharp weapon there are sundry junk dealers throughout the city whose dens are depots for the proceeds of river thieving the stock in many of these places consists entirely of stolen property bales of cotton coils of rope ship's instruments and such other articles as a wily depredator can manage to convey in the course of a midnight cruise collusion is a leading principle upon which river thieves work the experienced pirate of the harbor has frequently a pal among the hands belonging to some vessel this operator secretes such articles as he can from the cargo of a ship about to sail and manages to drop them quietly to some hovering boat when all is dark and still among the smaller craft in the rivers such as schooners the river thieves find a wide range for their operations on such vessels as these strange though it may appear but very slack watch is kept at night if a cargo has lately been disposed of the river thieves are aware of it the chances are that the captain of the schooner has the money in his cabin for these coasting mariners are as careless as are their brothers who heave the deep sea lead the chances are that he has had his spree ashore and that he comes on board drunk at a late hour of the night once the captain is asleep there is but little chance of the watch keeping awake then is the opportunity of the river thief silently in the dark he pulls with a couple of his pals to the schooner which is anchored probably in some quiet creek of the river having divested himself of his boots he creeps cat-like to the deck where he lies a while behind some convenient pile of ropes or sails until he ascertains that all is quiet then he proceeds to lay hands on such marine stores as may happen to be lying around loose which he drops over the side to his accomplices but his object is to get at the captain's money and to do this requires the skill of a practised burglar if there happen to be obstacles such as locked doors he removes them softly with a jimmy or short iron bar he hears the snoring of the captain in whose cabin there is a dim light burning and entering into the narrow chamber he proceeds to search the trunk or locker in which he thinks it likely the money may be stowed away should any untoward noise such as the falling of the lid of a trunk awaken the sleeper that unfortunate person's doom is sealed 
for the river thief hits him a powerful blow on the temple with the jimmy or with a sand club and there is a vacancy in the number of the mess of that schooner then a quick retreat must be made but the thief usually manages first to find the money which as often as otherwise is in the captain's trousers pocket stowed away under the now blood-stained pillow sometimes the mate or one of the hands awakes in the nick of time but arms are seldom at hand and the pistol of the robber is always ready to aid his retreat in a late case of murder on board a vessel lying in the east river the captain of a schooner testified that as he lay awake in his stateroom one night about the time of that murder his door was opened by a strange man who ran away upon seeing him awake and succeeded in making his escape by sliding down a chain into a boat manned by a couple of his pals who pulled away with him into the dark this schooner master deposed to having had nineteen hundred dollars in his trunk at the time and two hundred in his trousers pocket there were two muskets on board he said but they were not loaded sometimes the river thief does not come off so well instances having occurred in which he has been shot dead or badly maimed while boarding some vessel there is many a tragedy enacted on the river that never comes under the notice of the police the mate of a vessel that traded to a south american port relates how as his ship lay at anchor in the stream one night ready to sail at the morning's dawn he alone on the deck and unarmed found himself confronted by a powerful ruffian who had just slid over the bulwarks on to the deck the intruder aimed a blow at him with a heavy iron hammer but missed him and they were instantly in grip and rolling upon the deck the noise awoke some of the crew one of whom struck the robber a powerful blow on the head with a belaying pin the fight was over then for the robber was dead but there was a musket loaded with buckshot at hand and this the mate discharged at a boat that just then pulled away from the stern of the ship with what effect was never known by him it was about time for the ship to sail and too late therefore to notify the police of the circumstance so they made short work of it by heaving the body of the dead river thief overboard many a body thus disposed of drifts up about bay ridge or coney island and all that a coroner's jury can do is to leave the mystery a mystery still we do not know that highway robberies on the river are of common occurrence but we are aware of one at least which did not come under the notice of the police certain inmates of a fashionable boarding-house in the upper quarter of the city had made an afternoon of it by hiring a rowboat in which they pulled over to the great lager beer brewery at gutenberg on the jersey side of the north river there were festivities going on in the saloon in the upper story of the building and the party most of whom were ladies remained till a late hour enjoying themselves in the giddy waltz it was a still summer night as the boat freighted with its fair cargo and pulled by a couple of elegant young gentlemen in fancy shirts put off from the wharf at gutenberg all went well for a while the ladies were very merry and sang choruses and the gentlemen made the night fragrant with their cigars as they neared the middle of the river a boat very silently pulled as if with muffled oars 
shot so close athwart the bow of the pleasure-boat as to elicit epithets from some of the gentlemen on board the latter in the pause that ensued for a moment the strange boat suddenly veered round and came alongside the other it was manned by three fearful-looking roughs one of whom remained at the oars while the other two presenting revolvers at the heads of the oarsmen in the pleasure-boat ordered them to lay to at the same time demanding an immediate surrender of all valuables on the persons of the party what could an unarmed party do against three river pirates armed to the teeth and evidently ready to take life upon the first show of resistance three gold watches were handed over by the ladies together with a number of rings and other small articles of jewellery one of the gentlemen who had a watch and chain valued at two hundred and fifty dollars dropped it quietly overboard under some vague impression that it might subsequently be recovered by dragging the river for it the plunder taken from the party amounted in all to at least the value of six hundred dollars and the river thieves pulled swiftly and silently away until they were lost in the gloom of the night there were private reasons why this affair was never reported to the police scandal whispered that one of the ladies of the party was somewhat bemused with champagne and that the party in general preferred putting up with their losses to risking the revelations that would certainly have been made in a police court the grounds near hoboken known as the elysian fields are not unfrequently selected as a landing-place by river thieves who have made a haul it is a lonely place at night and the cover afforded by the trees is favourable to the removal of small plunder the writer of this chapter remembers the circumstance of a telescope and ship's compass being found upon the beach not far from castle point both of which articles had marks of blood upon them a wounded man had evidently been carried through the wood there from the traces left but on arriving at the road the clue was lost and the mystery has never been solved it was a river thief affair no doubt a robbery and a row and a ruffian shot by some captain or mate and then a night scene in those elysian fields that must have been awful in its contrast with the sentiment belonging to that mythological name a foggy night on the water is a favourable time for the operations of the river thieves these fellows are so well acquainted with all the nooks and docks and landing-places along the rivers that they can find them so to speak by groping for them in the dark many of them have laboured at one time or another at the occupation of towing and this they find of great service to them in their nocturnal forays there are points along the hudson river railroad where booty has often been stowed away until an opportunity arrived for its safe removal the neighbourhood of striker's bay for instance with its broken bush-covered ravines and sedgy ponds offers many facilities to the river thief for the concealment of his booty in the sea-wall of the railroad property of various kinds has frequently been found by the early fisherman as he paddled his boat along under its lee in a fog it is easy for the thieves to escape notice of the river police whose limited number renders the force a very inadequate one for the thorough protection of floating property 
three or four of these river thieves can pole unobserved in their boat along the sea-wall referred to on a thick night until they arrive at some lonely point where a landing is easily effected in these cases they generally have confederates waiting for them at a spot previously agreed upon the surveillance of the land police in this district is very inefficient and goods thus landed by the thieves can be readily transferred to a market cart and driven away quietly into town by the bloomingdale road and so to the den of the omnivorous junk dealer along the east river the numerous marshy inlets such as newtown creek and flushing creek are frequently resorted to in emergencies by river thieves who can make a cache for their plunder in some nook of the marsh until they find a safe opportunity for its removal a sportsman who was watching one night for wild ducks by the faint moonlight in one of these bays was approached by a boat containing two men who did not at first perceive him concealed as he was by the tall sedges he watched them quietly as they went to work close to him and perceived that they were about stowing away some articles in a muskrat house than which there could have been no better cash for their purpose had they not been watched unluckily some movement made by the gunner in his skiff attracted their attention and at once a couple of revolvers were trained upon him at a distance of not more than twenty paces his double-barrelled gun however brought matters nearly to a level and the river thieves having quickly sacked their plunder pulled away in their boat with muttered imprecations on examining the spot where they were about to conceal their booty the duck hunter discovered that they had left after them a knife of large and dangerous proportions which he has retained as a relic to the present day doubtless more murders are perpetrated by the river thieves than are ever brought to light nothing can be easier for the desperadoes provided with boats to land in the night at some point favorable for a highway robbery and having beaten and plundered some marked victim to dispose of him by taking him out upon the river and dropping him in midstream there is a lonely spot of road by the sunswick near astoria where an outrage of this kind once took place late at night a tradesman having a considerable sum of money about him crossed over from the city by the greenpoint ferry and wended his way on foot for his home somewhere in the neighborhood of astoria he had nearly reached the sunswick bridge a very lonely spot at night when he was prostrated by a blow from behind and fell bleeding and unconscious to the ground when he recovered his senses he found himself in a boat with two men who were pulling out into the stream one of them he was certain was a man who had crossed over with him on the greenpoint boat he at once conjectured that they were about to throw him overboard and being a powerful swimmer thought that his best chance of escape would be to lie still and simulate an appearance of unconsciousness they had not got far out into the stream when they lay on their oars for a moment and after a whispered consultation and some close scrutiny of their victim heaved him silently over into the rushing water he arose not far from the boat but luckily for him the night was dark else a bullet from a revolver might have closed the transaction by swimming and floating with the current he managed to scramble ashore somewhere near hunter's point 
where he lay for some time on a beach in a state of utter exhaustion his money of course was gone and fortunately for him the thieves had also removed a new heavy overcoat worn by him together with his boots encumbrances with which it is hardly probable that he could have succeeded in gaining the shore this little episode in river piracy will show how diversified are the operations of the dangerous class under notice and how much easier it is for a murder to be perpetrated on the rivers than for the crime to be traced to its source coasting by jones wood and so down by hellgate to the harlem river it will be obvious to the keen observer that here the river thieves must have many a haunt it was from some of these probably that the murderers issued on that cold night in december when the mate of a vessel at anchor off rikers island was foully slaughtered in cold blood during the course of the inquest upon that crime the stuff of which the river thief is composed came prominently to the record one of the witnesses had been employed much in towing upon the rivers he had also been employed in hoisting cargoes and in other occupations along shore once he had been up on suspicion of burglary and sundry times for theft and crimes of varied character he had been educated in the school for river thieves in fact to properly supervise the pupils of which academy would require a force very much more numerous and more fully equipped than that of the present harbor police there is one outlet for the river thief through which he often escapes the consequences of a crime he is frequently as has been stated a seaman of more or less experience he has his accomplices among the crews in the harbor and when advised of pursuit he frequently evades it by hiring himself out as a hand on board some ship about to sail for a foreign port the river thief of new york has had his experiences varied occasionally by little operations in the waters of the mersey at liverpool his hands have been imbrued in blood amid the pigtailed population who crowd the port of hong kong he learns from slimy lascars many a lesson in the use of the knife teaching them in return no doubt things in the way of dark work that they were not up to before his end is generally a violent one of course but he is much oftener killed in the act of perpetrating some crime than brought to justice in a more legitimate way the low boarding-houses in mackerelville cherry street and water street are the principal shore haunts of the river thieves on the east side there are many such slums near the north river where they have their dens in that scattered village of shanties running from river to river on the south latitude of central park many of these fellows also find their shelter and from this it is difficult to rout them there is a junk trade carried on among these shanty people who are mostly desperadoes of the worst class at night the river thief when not upon his lay takes his amusement in the low dance-houses and groggeries with which the port slums are crowded many of the characters introduced in the chapter descriptive of the dance-houses belong to the river thief class with the keepers of such cribs the river thieves are on business terms for the former are very generally fences or receivers of stolen goods 
to whom the harbor pirate consigns his ill-gotten plunder the dance-house keeper himself has frequently followed business as a river thief and is usually quite ready to recur to that occupation should his shore transactions grow dull detectives will point out to you in these reeking places fellows who are known to be river thieves many of whom are probably murderers besides they have not in general a seaman-like air about them but are for the most part the very type of the worst kind of humanity that haunts great seaport towns and that is saying a good deal End of chapter twenty